Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. I hope everybody had a blessed uh, Thanksgiving, and hopefully nobody ate since Thanksgiving. You fasted and prayed for the last few days, but um, awesome. So, let's see. Today's message, in His image. So, you do not have to open your uh, Bibles yet, but let's pray. Father, I just pray that today, as always, that you would just go and use your word in spirit and in truth. That your Holy Spirit would just anoint your words once again, and that they would penetrate all our hearts. And that the truth of the scripture would be evident and clearly understood by all. And we just ask this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Wouldn't that be great if that was in our schools and universities today as the truth? Be a lot less confusion and problems in our world. But that is the problem, isn't it? Man does what is right in his own eyes and ignores the very word of God that is our lifeline. And what takes place with so many people, including believers, is they mix the world with the word. Can't do that. The word stands by itself. When you mix it with anything else, it's no longer the Word of God. And we should be people of the Word, amen? Shouldn't we be the ones who consistently follow God's Word, hide His Word in our heart, so that we do not sin against Him? In the world, image is everything. The car you drive, the clothes you wear, the different types of food you eat. Brand names. We can identify probably with everything that's up on the screen right now. Image. But yet God made us in His image. Notice at that first slide of Genesis 1 that man was created. He did not evolve. God said He created man. He didn't say man was going to evolve over thousands of years, but look at what's taken place in our education system, in grammar school, high school, universities. Confusion, chaos. God is not a God of confusion. He puts things in order because He is truth. He tells us the truth. Are we people of the truth? Are we people of the Word? The Bible teaches that you are not the uh, product of blind chance, but that you were designed by God who indeed has a divine purpose for your life. 
And how many people, including Christians, don't think they have a purpose? Don't think they have a reason for living? And we see that in the amount of suicides, in the amount of different illnesses. But God never ever designed it to be this way. He created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, as a reflection of His image. There was no aging. There was no sin. Everything was perfect. But you and I live in a fallen world. When God says in Genesis 1 that we're made in His image, that's in a spiritual sense. Okay, it's not a physical sense. Can you imagine if that was so? Oh, he looks like me. No, he looks like you. No, he looks like them. Right? No, it's a spiritual sense. So here's some of the things, and I'm sure there's more, but here is some of the ways that in a spiritual sense we're made in his image. God is a superior trinity. It's a perfect trinity. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're an inferior trinity. The physical, the soul, the spirit. God has given us, as part of His image, the capacity to love, the ability to make moral judgments, the ability to think, feel, will, speak. We can have a relationship with God. He's given us that ability. He's given us self-determination. To know the needs of things, desires, interests, strengths, limitations. Although God has no limitations. He has given us the ability to choose. He has given us the ability to worship. To worship Him. But we also have the choice to worship other things. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. You were created not only by God, but for God. Think of that for a second. He created you and me for Him. Do we live for Him or do we live for something else? Is our life guided by our emotions and feelings or circumstances or the world condition or this or that? Or do we live for God regardless of what's going on around us? And I think, like me, there's many times that things from the earth and the spirit sort of mix, right? We sort of put them together. And boy, what Pastor Joe was saying, that anxiety and that stress and the things that come as a result of mixing things with God's Word and not keeping it separate and living 
according to the uh, Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, following the lead of the Holy Spirit, can cause a lot of confusion. In Revelation 4.11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So we see in another portion of Scripture that one of the reasons you and I were created is for His pleasure. Now hopefully you know the times that you're living for God and things take place in your life that are God things, you find pleasure, right? You find a pleasure that's a spiritual memory, a spiritual pleasure versus temporary pleasures, thing that's fade. And if it's opposite God and His Word, sin is joyful for a season, but boy, what a stench it leaves. What an impact it has on not only you, but your loved ones. But when we're living in the Spirit, being guided by His Spirit, boy, we find pleasure, and we know that God, as He says here, He finds pleasure in His creation. There are four guys running through an airport. They were trying to make their flight. They were late. They had a run for, at least it was a five to seven minute run to the, uh, the gate. And they're rushing. And they're not even thinking about it. They're going in and out of people. Bumping into people. They went through a fruit stand where there was uh, loose fruit and there was uh, baskets, gift baskets. They ran into it. Apples, gift baskets went all over the place. They just kept running. They were about 30 seconds from the gate when they saw the gate starting to close. And they started yelling. They heard them. They stopped the closing of the gate. These four guys were running in. One guy stopped. As the three other guys got on the plane, he was going, guys, go ahead, I'm going to get another flight. So he hustles back to that fruit stand. And there was a girl picking up the apples and trying to get the baskets. And he went down. And it wasn't until he was on his knees that he saw that the girl was blind. And she was sobbing. And he went up to her and put his arm around her and said, everything's going to be okay. And he took her hand and gave her money. And he said, this will help you more than, this will be more than enough to take care of what happened. And I'm very sorry. The man got up and started walking away. And after he got about 10 or 15 feet away, he heard a small, petite voice Say, mister, and he stopped and he turned around. And this blind girl said, are you Jesus? And I asked that question today. Are you Jesus? Am I Jesus? 
to a world that is blind. I got some are you questions. Are you controlled by the Spirit of God? Is He your guide? Is He your lamp to your feet, a light to your path? Is He your helper? Is He your comforter? Are you living according to God's Word all the time? Or are you living against His Word? Are you committed to God's Word? Or are you an occasional user? I used to be an occasional user. When I was a new believer, whenever I got into trouble or a tight situation, I would go to the Lord. When everything was else, it was Vinny's world. I was in my own little world, my own little bubble. I was in control. But but, boy, as soon as my bubble burst, oh Lord, please help me, give me strength. I'll just lean on you, Lord. I'm sure we've all been through that, and maybe you're in that stage right now. But um, as you mature, you're going to lean on the Lord all the time. Not just when good times come or bad times or, you know, just all the time. He's your sustenance. He's your strength. Are you constantly in prayer? Scripture says to pray without ceasing. Do you always pray? When you're doing yard work, when you're walking down the street, when you're in the mall, whatever. Do you pray when your mind's not engaged in something else during those dead times? And usually we have more dead times than we do live times. Are you at peace with God? Now, you know, you can't be at peace with God unless you're a believer in God and have accepted Jesus into your heart. Because until then, you're at war with God. So you can never have the peace of God or peace with God or peace from God until you're his son or you're his daughter. Are you concerned with God's plan? He's got a purpose and a plan for you as an individual. Are you concerned with that plan? Do you know his plan for your life? I'd like you to turn to Ephesians Uh, Chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Notice the mind. The mind, doesn't it, control so much of what you and I do? Yet in God's Word, in His living Word, in His Word that is for our sustenance and growth, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's, it talks about in, in verse 2, not being conformed to this world, but being changed by the renewing of our mind. See, God knows that those perfect humans that he created, Adam and Eve, made a choice against him. And that choice against God anytime is sin. 
And sin has marred his perfect creation. And one of the impacts is our mind. Our mind loves junk food. Our mind craves it. And you know what? The world dishes it out for free. We are constantly exposed to the junk food of the world. And it pollutes our hearts, our spirits, and our minds. But the Bible says, God's Word says, by the washing of the water of the Word, we need to wash our minds. We need to cleanse it daily. Because we're so polluted with the junk food of the world, we need God's living Word constantly taking it in So it purifies our mind, it purifies our heart, it purifies our spirit. That is so important. If you go with six days of junk food and one day of spiritual food, it's not good. It's not good. You're feeding the wrong nature. You've got to feed your spiritual nature because you're new creatures in Christ. Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, your understanding is dark and you are blind if you're living a life apart from God. Our world is blind for everybody who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yet he came down to die to open up the eyes of the blind. He's opened your eyes. He's opened my eyes if you're a believer in him. But you might be living in the world And in the scriptures. And in his life. And you might be going around like this. Ready? You're just seeing the world through one spiritual eye instead of two. You might be seeing like Solomon. The world through a half a heart. Instead of a whole heart like David. But Pastor Vinny, David killed people. He he killed somebody. He had an adulterous affair. Yeah, but remember what God's word said? That we can identify with this, every one of us. He was a man after God's own heart. When he did something wrong, he gave it to the Lord. He confessed his sin. And there was a lot of stuff he did wrong. Maybe you can identify with that today. But the one thing that you have and I have is living inside us, if you're a believer, is the Holy Spirit of God. To equip you, to strengthen you. Continuing with the second part of verse 18. Being alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling. Have given themselves over to lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Notice that there's a feeling that is lost. As a result of living in the world. Living in the world system. We are all part of the world, but we shouldn't be living in it. We shouldn't be being conformed to the image of the world because God made us in His image. He came down and died on the cross to pay for our sins, but when He sent us His Holy Spirit, He gave us His Spirit to put us back in that position that we were in pre-fall. To put us in a position that we can hear His voice. That we can follow the lead of His Holy Spirit. The problem with the church today is that they're not committed to the living God. 
They're not committed to Jesus Christ. They're not committed to His Holy Spirit to lean on Him 24-7, 365. There was a man I've known for probably over 30 years, came to all his kids' games when I was coaching and all his grandkids' games when I coached his grandkids. Thanksgiving was a great day. They were all together, taking pictures, the whole thing. The next morning, he was gone. Bang! Gone! Are you and I ready at any time of our lives to meet Jesus face to face in eternity? We should be if we're living according to His Word. Right? We should be if we're loving Jesus all the time. We should be if we're praying. We should be if we're filled with His Spirit. We're ready anytime. We're just stepping through a doorway. And going through this door takes longer than the moment Jesus takes us and puts us right before His beautiful face. We need to be people of the Word. We need to be people guided and filled with this Holy Spirit. Verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Do you hear His voice? Do you recognize the voice of God? The better students you are and better disciples you are of God, the more you recognize His Word. You, the more you recognize something that's in the world versus something that's of God. You can differentiate very clearly as you hear His voice. Because you know His voice. Have you been taught by Him? Pastor Joe, Pastor Paul, myself, any of the elders, any guy comes up here to speak. They're not teaching you. They shouldn't be. It should be the Holy Spirit of God working through that individual up here, teaching you through His Word. We are not equipped to teach you. We're not. Anything that sticks, anything that penetrates your heart, is from the Master Teacher, God Himself that penetrates deep into the marrow, into your heart, into your bones, into your spirit. That's God. That's a God thing. And we always depend on Him to do that very thing. Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, the old woman, the teenage man, teenage teenagers, Girls and guys, that they put off the old teenager. That young life, those single-digit young people who God has opened their eyes to know who He is. That they put off and put on. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Notice that word deceit. It's all deceitful, the things of the world. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, the new woman, the new teenager, the new child that was created according to God. Notice, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The renewal of your mind, 
the washing of it in God's word. You're children of light if you're believers in Jesus Christ. You're wrecked. You've been rescued from the darkness. You're no longer blind. But are you like this? And is the other eye half closed? How much are you seeing of that spiritual world? How much are you recognizing? Are you a Christ learner? Have you put off the old and put on the new person? Are you being renewed all the time in the spirit of your mind? Put on the new man, put on the new woman, put on the new person, create it to be like God. Remember, the old man likes to surface. He likes to hold on to you. He wants to corrupt the image that God has given you. He doesn't want that image to shine through. Remember, Jesus said that he's the light of the world, but he also said that you are the light of the world. How much of your light is shining is how much you're allowing God to shape you into his image. Are you a pinprick light? Or are you a a big beacon light that just shines the image of God? Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Beginning with verse 16. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Guys, girls, none of us can do that unless we're born again. We were born physically with a dead spirit. We were born physically with a dead spirit that was marred by sin from our first parents, Adam and Eve. It was passed down all the way through. And you might say, well, that's not fair. Well, let me just put you at ease. If no one sinned in the last 6,000 years, I would have blown it. And I think you can say you would have too. So our creation is marred by sin because we like, with the free will we have, we choose sometimes to go opposite God's perfect standards. But it says here to walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And notice Spirit is a capital S. It's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Depart from me, I never knew you. 
Now notice it says practice these things. There's a difference between practice and committing a sin. One is a habitual habit. The other is our human nature that we fell into. But then remember what it says in this love book. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and bring you into righteousness. That's our God. Because he knows we make mistakes. But I love this when I first heard it and thought about it, that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, none of us was around. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all the sins in the future. The sins that we committed yesterday or today or next week or 10 years from now. He died because he knew that you and I would receive him as our Lord and Savior. All our sins are under the blood of Christ, the supernatural death of Jesus Christ on the cross. For he loved us so much, that's why he died. But we can't stop at his death. How crucial and important that was. He rose three days later. He overcame sin and death. He's a living Savior who sends us His Holy Spirit who's living in us to allow us to choose to be guided by Him so that we can walk through the the guck of the world and not return to darkness, but stay in His light. That is so important. Because sometimes my batteries run out and I'm in the dark. But God, Lord, I'm sorry. I walked into that dark area. Forgive me. Pour out your spirit on me, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and grace. And that relationship is restored. The lights are back on. Now my next step, do I choose to step in the light of his word or do I step in the light of my foolishness? That's a choice we all have. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. Notice, fruit is something that is produced in your life. We talked about this yesterday at the men's, which was a great men's meeting. If you haven't been out there, guys, you've got to come out the second and fourth Saturday. Phenomenal men's meeting yesterday. But we talked about the fruit that's produced in your life is according to the depth of of the roots in your life. The deeper the roots, the bigger the fruit. The smaller the root, the lesser the fruit. And we want our roots to be deep in Christ. 
And you know what? You might be saying, well, I, I haven't lived like that way. Yeah, but you know what? You're alive today. You have another chance today. Forget about the past. Look on to the future. He's a God of the present and the future. He's created you for His glory, for His pleasure, in His image. Everyone is born with that sinful nature that has the I. Me. It's all about me. That's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. I will do this. I will ascend above. I will be just like God. We all have that I nature. Born again individuals are given a new nature. You see, everybody has one nature when they're born. A sin nature. Damned to go to hell. You're destined to go there. All of us. Before God sent His Son and we realize what Jesus did on the cross. That He took our place. Because that was meant for us eternally, that death. He took our place. He paid for our sins. He didn't exchange Him for us. And through that exchange, if you put your trust in what He did and live for Him, you are given a new nature. A born-again nature. Remember, it was dead. You were spiritually dead. He spiritually made you alive in Him. There's nowhere else, nothing else, no one else that can make that happen. The sin nature craves worldly pleasures. And there's plenty of them. There's a smorgasbord out there. The new nature craves spiritual food. How hungry are you for the things of God? Or are you more hungry for the things of the world and you just snack on the things of God? What's important? What are you putting in? Is what's going to be out and it's going to show in the lack of fruit produced in your life or the abundance of fruit. There's a cool poem. It says, Two natures beat within my breast. The one is cursed. The one is blessed. The one I love. The one I hate. The one I feed will dominate. What nature is dominating in your life today? God desired... Meaningful, fel meaningful fellowship with you and me. In the book of Romans, Paul tells us that God created us subject to emptiness. And that that was by design. We have a built-in vacuum in our spirit. Nature cannot stand a vacuum and always seeks to fill it. So man, woman teenagers are always seeking to fill that vacuum from within only the one that designed the vacuum can fill it now we know we're all of the age of accountability we know that we try to fill it with so many things right 
We try to fill it with sex, with alcohol, drugs, different things. Solomon tried everything. He said that he did not withhold from himself one thing that his heart desired, yet he ended up with a cry of emptiness. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And he could do anything he wanted. He was the wealthiest man in the world. And nothing satisfied him. Nothing. Maybe you're here today or listening on the internet and you've been trying to fill the void in your life and are hoping this new adventure that's coming tomorrow or next week or in a month or the possession, a certain possession, something you're going to buy, will do the trick. That will fill that emptiness. Jesus said to the woman who is trying to fill the void in her life with different men, drink of this water, but you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. In 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Training. How important is training for anything we do? Spiritual, secular, physical, it doesn't matter. I think we all know the importance of the more we put into something, usually the more we get out of it. And that applies both to the negative and to the spiritual. But God tells us through Paul's letter to Timothy, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Why? Because it promises benefits in this life but even more importantly, in the life to come. Because the life coming is eternal. Tomorrow, if it comes, is temporary. Five seconds is gone. Five seconds ago is gone. A week ago is gone. Decades ago, right, everybody, are gone. But He has given us a future and a hope. We need to live in that future. You may be the only Jesus someone sees today. Just like that girl who was blind in the airport said, Hey, mister, are you Jesus? But what is it that we like to hold on to. That clouds our vision so that we don't see God clearer. What is it in our lives that we're holding on to? Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. And God is telling us in that verse that the devil wants to have place in your life. And his demonic team wants to have place in your life. And God is telling us Don't give place to the devil. In 1 Peter 1.16, it says, Because it is written, be holy, because I'm holy. And that was taken from Leviticus, um, different verses in Leviticus, but the one that I pinpointed was uh, Leviticus 20, verse 7. It says, Concentrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. 
Holy simply means set apart. Committed, concentrated, set apart to be used by God. To be filled with His Spirit. It's a choice. It's a free will choice that He takes over once you give the reins of your heart to Him. He'll do the work. He'll put things in your path. There's many things that God has blessed this church with over the past 20 years. I've been privileged just in the last week or two to be involved with the shoeboxes and the row clean home with Turkey Day and some of you too. We were blessed to see things that took place. But you know, I was telling some of the people that even the shoeboxes, the people that drop off the shoeboxes, we're thinking, hey, and we should be, can't wait. I pray for that little child that's going to get the shoebox, that's going to open it up. And we hope that that little child and the people that are associated with that child are going to come to know the Lord through some of the things that they're taught with some of the items that are in the box. And we pray that does happen. And those boxes are still being checked through and they're going to be shipped out. So keep praying for those kids in those boxes. However, the people who came here to drop off the boxes, they're hurting people just like you and I going through things. There was one mom who had two single-digit kids in her car, under 10, that both had epilepsy. She had a teenage boy in the back seat who just became 13, and he just got a, a, epilepsy. So she had three children with epilepsy. And we, prayed, we pray with all the people who are drop-off people here, the drop-off the boxes. However, what took place is, on the day that that lady came, unbeknownst to any of us, we also had a lady here who has a couple kids with epilepsy. They hooked up. They exchanged numbers. They prayed. God knew that. God knew that that was going to take place. That's an amazing thing. There was a lady who came here who lost her husband in May and three months later lost her 32-year-old daughter to leukemia. We spent about a half hour with her. We prayed with her. You know what I mean? So things took place by the people of God with other people, whether they were believers or not. Because you and I are His hands, His feet, His heart, His eyes. Are you Jesus? Of course you're not Jesus. Of course I'm not Jesus. But you know what I mean, right? Are we in the image of Him? Are we doing His work? That's why He gave you His Holy Spirit. When He was limited to the human body, He could only do what He did during His time on this earth. But in His major plan, when He ascended into heaven, He sent His Holy Spirit to live within you to now multiply tremendously what He couldn't do by Himself on this earth. And He said that you'll do more things than I do. You'll do greater things. That's because throughout the world, in atheist countries, in the United States, people are reflecting Jesus all over the place. And the more sin and the dark of this world comes, the brighter He shines. That's our God. He can't be put out. He can't be put down. 
In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth, and it says in verse 1, Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Imitate me, as I also imitate Christ. And the last scripture, Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Are you a pattern for someone else? Are you a reflection of Jesus for someone else? And do they attach to you and, and you can mentor them and grow with them and see them just fly on their own one day in Jesus? Hopefully, yes. And if not, guess what? You can start that today. It's only a prayer away. That's all it is. But I want to close on two thoughts. One is it's for the believer and the unbeliever. What are you holding on to? What am I holding on to? What is, if you're here today and you're not, you haven't received Jesus yet or you're watching on the internet, what are you holding on to? That's your treasure. What are you holding on to that is the most precious thing in your life? That is temporary. I believe it was in um, the Lord of the Rings, the two kings. I think that was the last one. The two kings or return of the king. Maybe it was return of the king. Maybe today, for the first time, you need to take the eye off the throne of your heart and put King Jesus in there. Allow Jesus to be reigning supreme in the throne of your life. Or maybe you have to return Jesus to the rightful place in your heart. So I'm going to show a short clip. It's like 15 seconds. And then we're going to um, pray for anybody who's never received Jesus. And then we're going to pray for people who want to get rid of things that you're holding on to. So if we could run that, Jim. What are we holding on to, huh? It's all going to be destroyed by fire one day. The only thing that's going to last is you and me and God's Word and, of course, God Himself. But what are we holding on to? So let's pray right now if there's anybody. And we can ask the, the worship... Uh, duo to come on up. Need at least two for a team, so I could have said team. But we're going to, um, if you're here today or you're at home and you've never received Jesus into your heart and you want to do that as Pastor Paul and Nicole sing, if you want to receive Jesus, come on up. We'll pray with you. We'll give you some material. If you're at home and you want to receive Jesus, we're going to say a prayer at the end of the song, and then we'll send you some material. But if you are a believer here today, pray that God does a mighty work with someone here or someone at home because he answers prayer, especially prayer according to his will. Every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. 
and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.